Mark, welcome to Modern Dadhood, your podcast. What? Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm a big fan. I'm also one of the hosts. You've so. been a fan. You've been a fan since day one. Since early before days. Before day one, man. Since before, since day zero. What is Modern Dadhood? Why don't you tell the rest of the fans out there listening? Well, welcome to the listeners to Modern Dadhood is an ongoing conversation about the joys, the challenges, and the general insanity of being a dad in this moment. I'm Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad to two young women. Uh, I'm not changing that forever. I'm just just said it a little, <laughs> just, a little sporadically in this okay. episode. All right. Yep. Uh-huh. My young women are eight and five, <laughs> and blowing my mind uh, on the regular. And you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my name is Mark Checkett, and uh, I'm a dad to uh, twin boy, four and a half year olds, getting getting dangerously close to uh, five. You know, going ah 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 five doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't. You're going to have to stop that at that point. Shit. You could sort of just like hand on, on one like hip and just be like, I'm I'm five. I'm five. I'm five. Whatever. I'm five. Hey, um, hey, um, hey, I did you I'm did you know I'm hey, did you know I'm <laughs> did you know I'm I'm five. Did you know I'm five? I thought that you were <laughs> I thought you were segueing into something. <laughs> but no, no, yeah. it's just a continuation of the impression yeah. of your voice. That was great. Yeah. Friends, wherever you're listening to Modern Dadhood right now, that could be Apple Podcasts, it could, could be, be Amazon Music or Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify, Dynamite Casts. Mm-hmm. Dynacasts. Maybe you're listening on um, I Spent Three Hours on the Shading on Your Upper Lip Casts. <laughs> At Tina Eat the Food casts. You could be listening on Tina Come Get Some Ham Pod. Please take a moment to give Modern Dadhood a rating and a review. And subscribe if you haven't, of course. But uh, a quick rating, just a few words of a review, that five-star rating would go a long way for us. No joke. Hey, speaking of of Tina (laughs) and uh, Napoleon Dynamite, you're never going to believe who our guest today is, Adam. If you tell me that it's... The actor Aaron Rule, who played Kip Dynamite. I'm going to freak. If only. But unfortunately, we actually have the real true star of the film, Napoleon Dynamite. John Heater will be on the show today. Some of our conversations stay pretty kind of high level and some of them go pretty deep. And uh, yeah, man, John Heater is a is a very thoughtful I don't know. What would, how would you describe him? He was, here's what I liked about hanging with John was that we fell right into a natural conversation. He was just a real person as for as different as he is from us in many ways. And you'll hear some of those ways in the interview. I mean, not, not the least of which is the fact that he is a famous actor, mm-hmm. but he was just a great person to, to talk to. And clearly he's, spent a lot of time thinking about fatherhood and parenting and his oh, relationship yeah. with his kids and his relationship with his parents. And it all came through in the conversation. I actually, I had heard him when I reached out to try to book him on modern dadhood. I'd recently heard him on Pete Holmes's podcast. You made yes. it weird. 
And I just loved that conversation. I mean, I think Pete Holmes is, is really fun to listen to no matter who he's talking to, but hearing him go back and forth with John heater, I was like, there's a lot of depth there, which I think could, could easily be overlooked because he looks and sounds like this character that he's become so famous for Napoleon dynamite. There's a lot there. And it was uh, definitely one of my, one of my top conversations that we've had on this show. Yeah. Easy. We'll be sharing our recent chat with John heater just a little bit later in the episode. Before you had kids, maybe even before you were married, did you envision any particular family for yourself? So, I mean, A, did you know that you wanted to be a dad? And B, did you picture one kid, two kids, a a big family, twins? Like, did did you have any particular vision for what you kind of hoped your family would look like prior to? having kids? I definitely didn't picture twins. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I can't think, I mean, Jamie and I were married for 13 years before we had kids. Yeah. So going back in the old memory bank <laughs> from before that time is a little hard, but I don't think I had any preconceived idea of what my family would eventually be like. I think Here's the thing. When I met Jamie, I knew pretty much in an instant that we were going to get married. I I knew like there was something about her that was different. That was right. You saw a soulmate. Something like that. You know, Uh, I just it was not anything. It was not. It was just it was an idea that wasn't in my head. And then I met her and then that idea was in my head that I was get, that we were going to be married. And then one day I asked her, I never thought twice about it ever, mm-hmm. but I don't think I ever really pictured before or even, even early in our marriage. I don't know that I had this picture ever. I, I guess mm. the reason that I'm thinking about it, obviously, because we talked to John Heater, who has four kids and grew up in a big family and got thinking mm-hmm. like you and I are both we both have multiple siblings, right? You there there are four of you. Oh, yeah. Right. And there's so there's four of me and we, you know, we both happen to coincidentally be the youngest in our siblings or there's a gap between us and our sibling our older siblings. But for people who grow up in larger families, do they typically picture having larger families themselves? See, that's what I that's what I wonder that because I like you and I being the youngest. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I became really accustomed to being the youngest. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always somebody older than me somewhere in some position of like authority or, you know, um, responsibility or something. Sure. You know, Maybe. so I wonder if it's just more ingrained within them, you know, that that's a part of who you are when you're a person in the world. Well, on the other hand, sort of to play devil's advocate, my oldest sibling is 20 years older than me. My next oldest is 19 years older than me. And then my, my sister, who's the next one is 16 when I was born. And so two of my three siblings had 
kids while I was either in late high school or early college. So I think maybe that was the point where I knew like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to have kids. And I think I probably pictured having more than one, but I didn't have this vision of like, because I grew up, you know, in a family of four that I was going to have four kids myself. Yeah. Interesting. This seems like it's probably a good time to play back our conversation with John Heater. Adam, I'm going to go out the front door around to the garage where I keep the tapes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Crickets, and it's yeah. nighttime. So you'll, you know, I'm, you're going to hear some, probably some night creatures, but I'll be right back. I'm going to get the tape. Is it up on the very top shelf, by the way? Yeah. And I have one of those behind the, the old coffee cans. Yeah. And I have one of those uh, really rickety old metal ladders that I have to extend. Of course you do. You know, do not fall off the ladder. Whatever you do. I'm, you know, it, you know, it, I hope I don't have a near fall incident. John Heater is an actor who has been in many films and TV shows over his career, including Blades of Glory, Mama's Boy, the newest installment of the Tremors series, and is best known, of course, for playing Napoleon Dynamite. John is a dad of four children, and we are super stoked to have him on Modern Dadhood to talk about all manner of things from kids to NFTs. Uh, John, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Four kids. Uh, can you run us through their uh, ages? Uh, 15, 13, 8, and 5. 15, 13, 8, and 5. And, and you're an I- identical twin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I happen to have twins. Oh, yeah. They're not identical. Not identical. But, but fraternal twins can be hereditary. Identical twins, not. Huh. Wait, say it one more time. (laughs) Fraternal twins are hereditary. I guess it's like what causes the, you really need extra eggs. Yeah. It's just extra eggs that are produced at the time. So that can be hereditary. But identical twins are not from two different eggs. So so you'll sometimes you'll see twins have other twins, but normally it's fraternal. They're fraternal twins. Yeah. I learned something new tonight. Yeah. I feel like I should have been better informed having twins of my own, but you know, this, they're four and a half. And so I'm still kind of foggy about just about everything in my life. Like, (laughs) you know, they take up a lot of time and effort and and energy. You get two for the price of one. Yeah. So that's great. But then, you know, you have the headache of like, I can't imagine like what my parents still had to so hard having, you know, doing diapers and you got two of them at the same time. But then again, like if you were like me and my brother, we were like playmates our entire childhood. Oh. So my mom was actually like, yeah, in the beginning it was tough. But after like by three years old, you guys were kind of the easiest because you oh. just yeah. always played with each other. You just kind of hung out and you did your own thing. 
And I didn't really have to, we didn't really have to like watch over you that much. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah. The built-in best friend we hear, we kind of hear that a lot. Although I refer to my kids as built-in best frenemies because my Lord, do they fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, maybe the spacing apart is in some, it, dude, it's like, you think you can make plans and obviously, you know, there's those who truly try to plan every single mm-hmm. step of the way. There's so many times where I wish my kids were all closer in age. So that mm-hmm. those phases, like the diaper phases or this or that, and the hand-me-downs are easier. You could do this or that. But then having the older one, she was able to babysit much sooner. Oh, yeah. And we had little ones so they can babysit. And, right. you know, right around the corner, they're going to start driving. Oh, my God. You know, start taking the kids places. And I see that all the time in other families. So it's like. I feel like I'm getting anxiety just hearing <laughs> you say. So, one, the idea of having your kid, you know, drive away in a car, but then to be responsible for your other children. It's like, oh, my God. Is that, is that terrifying? No. No. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean. It is and it isn't. I guess it is. It really is. I I rarely stop to think about it (laughs) because it was just such a normal thing. Like I, when I grew up, you know, we all got our licenses and we all did that. Yeah. We'll probably, you know, that first year when they have their learner's permit, you have to like monitor. You have to be with them. And really, once you got that trust, then yeah. Then it's like yeah. I mean, it's one that. Right. It's well, you're trusting your own kid's ability to drive safely is one thing. But I mean, you know, the the, the cliche thing to say, but it's so true. It's like it's other people. It's like other distracted people. Right. 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 So you brought you brought up the notion of like planning or maybe not planning, you know, or, or trying to plan. But you kind of come from a fairly large family. You have several brothers. We talked about your your twin brother, but there's more in your family. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's six kids. I have four brothers and one sister. Uh, she's the oldest, and then there's just all brothers. Yeah, it was it was an interesting dynamic because she really was like she was like the all American like cheerleader, popular girl. She just kind of but she kind of did her own thing. Hmm. And there's all the brothers who kind of like just banded together and uh, you know gave gave her. Well, I would have said we tormented her, but we were almost young enough that that we could have separate enough lives. Yeah. But I wonder if growing up in a in a larger family and also a family that was, I mean, you grew up and I think are still part of uh, the LDS church, right? Yeah. Yeah, correct. I'm sure f- family is kind of central. Oh, probably, yeah. yeah. Right. So did you sort of start thinking about building a family of your own early on in your life? Definitely. I knew from like, from when I was a kid, but it was such a part of like, you know, having a big family was part of that. And it was never like, oh, you guys are going to go have, you know, tons of kids or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It was just like family was so central, so Mm -hmm. central to everything, you know, Mm -hmm. in the church, in a work at home. It was just everything. Having, seeing how my dad raised us, seeing how, uh, my mom raised us, and, and that whole concept was just like it was. It was it was number one. Yeah, it was number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was always just in my blood. It's like, mm. oh well, whatever I'm going to do is a job. But a hundred percent, I'm. I want to get married. I want to have kids. Um, yeah, I, I want to be a dad. 
The biggest thing I have learned is I thought I was going to be like a professional dad. Like I, because I wanted it for so long since I was a kid mm. and it wasn't so much. I had a vision board in my room where like, I'm going to be dad. It was just kind of more like second issue. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a dad. I took so much of it for granted, especially getting into the entertainment industry where I feel like, you know, maybe in Hollywood, people aren't starting families that early. People aren't even get married that early. Mm. And I felt like almost on purpose, like a black sheep. I mean, I got married before I did Napoleon Dynamite, right before I did Napoleon Dynamite. And so it wasn't like I was trying to like go into the entertainment industry equipped that way. It was just like, no, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. I want to yeah. do both of things. So it was coming in with that kind of attitude like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm born to be a dad. Hmm. And the biggest lesson I've learned is I don't know squat. <laughs> And I just <laughs> like so overestimated my abilities. This is so much harder than I thought. This is so much <laughs> tougher. It's absolutely rewarding. But, you know, I always did it for the rewards, knowing eh, it's just going to be a given. Yeah. Not really, not realizing that some of those rewards are going to come after experiencing those hardcore trials, mm. you know, the reward is like that instant joy and happiness that you get, right? Mm-hmm. You both know what it's like. Yep. And you're just yep. like, this is the, this is that reward. And you think this is going to be that reward for the rest of your dadhood. Mm. No, <laughs> not at all. It's like there are times where you're like, this kid sucks. Why, why do I hate them? Yes. You have to go through the muck and the mire first. Hmm. It's so much harder. That's so, so well said, yeah. too. It's perfect. So you got married right before Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. And obviously that movie became something really big. Yeah. A, a bit of a cultural phenomenon. Phenomenon. Oh, shit. All of a sudden that word is really hard. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. That's the one. We're going to edit that phenomenon. stuff out. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out, Adam. Um, I just wonder, was there a moment there where you kind of looked at that and you thought, oh man, things are really taking off in this part of my life. How is that going to affect this other part of my life, this dad family part of my life? Yeah. Was there a point where you were nervous or anything like that? Uh, not so much nervous. You know, I all, have always taken, I've always been very, I say blessed because I see it as a blessing and some people, sometimes I wonder if that's naivety or if that's not ignorance, but like, I feel like I've been blessed with the ability to handle stress or stressful situations by Hmm. not really stressing too much. I Mm -hmm. kind of take everything with ease or at least with an optimistic outlook and approach. And I never remember having that kind of stress so much. It was more like, Oh, this will be fun. This will be interesting because I knew, especially once I got into high school, I knew in high school that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry somehow. Hmm. I didn't know whether it was going to be acting or directing or writing or something. I Hmm. I wanted to make movies. I wanted to do animation. I I wanted to entertain and I wanted to be creative. And so I was somewhat prepared knowing that, I may be working in this industry where there may be exposure in that way. Again, I didn't know until acting was kind of on the side 
it wasn't until college that I realized, oh, maybe there's something there. Hmm. And people seem to respond to me being on camera. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I remember thinking, oh yeah, this will be fun. I, I really did see it as like, this wow. is going to be fun. I know I'm going to be a dad. I know I'm going to be a dad. I want to be a dad. And I get to be like, have that dad life, but in Hollywood or in this industry, and that could be really interesting. I'm sure there's going to be challenges, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really thinking of that. I just always kind of saw the good. I mean, that's a that's a great perspective. You know, I think um, obviously like you would be you would soon be in in high demand. You know, your time would become very precious, you know, and and depending on what roles you were offered and what roles you accepted, like you could be away from home for months at a time. Right. So especially early on after you and your wife started to have kids, how did you manage that balance? Well, when I, I mean, right in the beginning, you know, my, my, you know, major, my studio years were really those first like three, maybe four years out of the gate right after Napoleon came out in 2004 mm-hmm. and we didn't have our first kid until 2007. Okay. But you know, 2007 was when blades of glory was actually, I think we had our first kid right when blades of glory was being released. Wow. So it definitely felt like it was at the height Yeah. and thinking, all right, honey, like, you know, there's going to be times, but I'm going to be, you know, I want to be that present dad. I want to be around, I never really saw myself becoming like an uber star, even though like there was offers coming in. It just, it wasn't in my blood. I was like, I, uh, I want to keep working. It was great. I love, you know, the, that kind of success and doing those kind of films, but I'm just going to kind of like family and religion were very always, you know, almost intertwined in how I approached life. Family comes first. You know, my religion is very, very uh, important. I'm always going to see as, you know, my acting career is coming second, but still like family's always going to become first. It wasn't really a decision I had to make. It was just yeah. part of who I was. I knew that there were maybe times where it's like, okay, I may got I may have to go shoot something for a while and we'll just play it by ear. It was always that kind of attitude, playing it by ear. If it's a really big project and my kids are young enough and it's a cool place, I'll take them with me. You know, and if, and if I book a TV series at some point that shoots in another place and it's for a long time when my kids are older, maybe I'll move us all up to Vancouver or <laughs> wherever, you know, people were like doing those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And if I shoot a movie, you know, the longest I've been away from them when I've had all my kids is like a month, maybe two. Last summer I shot a movie that took about two months. And that was the longest I had been away. You but, shot the Tremors film in Thailand, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm to the point where, yeah, if I go shoot somewhere cool, I'll be like, let's see what happens at the end of shooting. Then we'll bring the, you know, the family out and we can have a few days or a week extra. And now, so they're getting to that age where I can kind of tilt my kids along and see a little bit of that life. And it's, and I love it. It's, it's great. I mean, I mean, even just outside of going to a cool place, just the thought of being able to spend some serious quality time, you know, doing something like that with their dad or, you know, from the opposite perspective, you know, with your with your kid uh, is 
really interesting and really, really appealing. I mean, on a much smaller scale, we try to do that here because some days it feels like it's the four of us, my two kids and my wife, just like all the time together, always. And it's, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's then it's the weekend. And then it's like, all four of us are going to go here and do this thing. And all four of us are going to go here and do that thing. And it's like, we have to remind ourselves to break it up once in a while. Yeah. Because I think about that a lot being, I'm very much, you know, my work is more like I'll go away for something. And sometimes it's like a month or a couple of weeks, but then I'm, when I'm home, I'm home. I don't, you yeah. know, work at home. I'll be at home a lot. So I, I'm home a lot and I'm very much a homebody dad. Like I, I take care a lot of the house and I worry that I oversaturate my kids with, well, sometimes I try to put in with, you know, nuggets of wisdom, but then I'm also showing them exactly how to wash the dishes or how to (laughs) clean up after the cat. Or exactly how to do this in every little thing. And yeah. I'm like, well, how are they going to remember me? Yeah. In thinking about how your kids' lives are different than your life when you were, when you were growing up, the fact that they have a dad who's famous and I'm, a sh- I'm sure gets recognized. And I'm sure in, in some cases, it's probably, you know, it, it sort of oversteps any boundaries. I'm like, how, how is it that you're finding working with that? It's uh, that it's not too bad. What's hard about that is that I'm not in my kids' shoes, so I don't know exactly how they. I mean, yeah. for a while, I let it bother me, but just one day I decided no more. I'm not going to let it bother me anymore. Mm. And and it wasn't it wasn't hardcore. It wasn't like a drastic change because I was always pretty nice before. But back in the day, if I was in a situation where I was had kids where I was who had poopy diapers and I had to change them or if they were throwing a fit yeah. or whatever, when you're dealing with like a little bit harder when they're younger, then yeah, it would be annoying if someone approached me. I'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, look, does it look like I can talk <laughs> right now? Is now the time to say something about tots to me? For Christ's sake, I'm, I'm dealing with a poopy diaper <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. And, and you know, you get that people, I mean, fans can be very clueless and not that they're trying to be inconsiderate. They just right. you know, don't think, but yeah. I, I stopped letting that bother me. And, and now, because that's important for me to know that my kids can see that. I always want to show them mm-hmm. like, trying to be, you know, a kind person. Then sometimes, you know, they'll, they literally are tired of it. They're almost yeah. like, dad, come on, let's go. Yeah. Stop talking to those people. And I was like, Hey, I don't want to be rude, but I am now starting to see that's like, I've gotten so used when I'm out and about, I want to give a fan their proper amount of time, show them respect, show them like my appreciation. And is that something I have to change now when I'm with my kids and with my family and realizing when you are being as real and as kind as you can be, it normally comes back and people exactly. can tell. People can see, okay, hey, I don't want to bother you. You're with your family. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. And- right. On one hand, you're you're uh, demonstrating this like politeness and respect for anybody, which is like a great thing to model for your yeah. kids. But on the other hand, are you doing it at the detriment? Are you like disrespecting your family, you yeah. know, by doing that, by, by taking time away from them? Uh, what yeah. an interesting yeah. Uh, conundrum. Yeah, it is. But there is a way, I believe there is a way to find that balance. Now that we move to a smaller town and out of LA, 
you know, you can be a little bit more normal. It's an interesting thing. The thought of like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I sort of, sometimes I look at a situation and I go, I know exactly what you're going through because I've been through it. And it's really hard in those moments to then stop myself in instances like that before I brush past that to the next thing to actually stop and think, but wait a minute, they're their own person. They're growing up in a world that is different than the world that I grew up in. Their dad, me, is not my dad. They never even knew my dad. You know, like these associations that you bring with you that kind of get you to that point where you go, hey, buddy, chill out. I've been exactly where you are in your shoes. I know what you're going through. Let's get past this. It's really hard to stop in those moments to remember that they're their own person trying to find their own way in the world. I don't know if that's making any sense. No, it totally makes sense because it is, I say, being a member of our church, you have access into the lives of a lot of families. And sometimes you see that pattern. You see a dad who was raised a certain way. Mm -hmm. He raises his kids the same ways. And you can see that they see their father the same way that he probably saw their father. And it's almost like just a rhythm that just happened to line up. Hmm. But like you said, like in my instant, yeah, it's, I, I think about that a lot because, and that's the hardest part. I have my expectations of how I was raised. Yeah. My dad was such an incredible example to me. He was a doctor. He was kind and giving and so, and so humble. And everybody just had this great respect for him and love for him. And that affects me to the core and so I feel like, well, dude, like, this is not how we did it back then. Or this is not, I'm a way different dad than my dad because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a different person. And therefore, right. I'm a right. different dad, a way different. So there's that. And you're right. It's a completely different world than <laughs> it was 10 years or 20, yeah. 30 years ago. And they're being raised in that. Um, and so it's a completely different experience. I have to take that into account. Every time. And more recently, I've found myself falling back. I was like, maybe I don't know how to do this. Maybe I don't know how to do this or, or the best way to approach this. So yeah. I'm a little lost. So if I can fall back on certain things, which is, I mean, this is going to sound obvious, but it's like love. Hmm. It's just like love your child unconditionally. Uh-huh. Teach them through example that you should love mm-hmm. unconditionally, not just them, but Love and respect for everybody, patience, and sometimes it's. it's it, I always thought I was going to be able to take these more descriptive tools into my dadhood. Mm-hmm. And say, you get this toolbox, you know, from your dad, mm-hmm. and you have all these tools, and I'm going to use it. And it's more like, no, I'm just going to have my screwdriver and my tape measure and dump everything else out. Yeah. Because it's like, that's not going to work here. That's not going to work here. That's not going to work here. But there's just a couple basics. You got your screwdriver, you got your wrench, yeah. you got your T square. <laughs> no, T square, you got to throw out. You got to get rid of stu- your stud finder, right? Stud finder always. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. so the, <laughs> the things that you listed, John, I mean, they, they are universal. And I'm sure that, I mean, this is just an example of how the world is so different. I'm sure that our dads, because we've turned out to be, you know, decent, compassionate, you know, human beings with empathy who love our kids. I'm sure that our dads were 
exemplifying a lot of that stuff growing up. But I think the difference is that now we're having this conversation about it and we're being mindful of it and we're thinking about it every day and we're stopping Mark in those situations where we're, there's a, maybe a teachable moment and Mm -hmm. not just breezing past them saying, I've been through that, you know, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's just the sort of mindfulness about it that is sort of driving this um, change in what it means to be it. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to get too like philosophical about it, but Mm -hmm. it's, What's great, and I don't know if that's how it always is, but I, you know, I have an open relationship with my parents and talking to them and just being honest. It's like, mom, dad, thank you so much. If, if it was bad, maybe it'd be more awkward and I Hmm. wouldn't be able to talk as much, but, Uh but we can also say, yeah, sometimes like, yeah, I wish that we did this a little bit more this or that. But at the end of the day, I know I'm grateful. I know I'm grateful. So mom, dad, you never have to worry about Hmm. like have regrets. So John, the last thing I want to ask you about is uh, on your Instagram page, the, there's a big, bold URL and it's a uh, order of the Tigons. So I, obviously I clicked through, was curious about it. It, it, it seems to uh, be this art initiative that is connected to the NFT world, which is something that uh, admittedly I'm a little bit naive about and I uh, would love to hear more about that. Question number one, what are the NFTs? <laughs> this, is still a world, this is still a world that's so new to me. Oh, man. Yeah, I get you. It is so new. It's so new to me. I love it when I can tell people it's a non-fungible token. <laughs> it's like, oh, explain more. Really fun word to say, fungible. Fungible. It's so weird. It's digital art that has like kind of value where you create a certain amount. You can create a set of artwork. So in a nutshell, I created this Tigon project, which is essentially is this tiger lion mixture. Yeah. It's just this, it's this big cat creature, but I did a whole bunch of different attributes, whether it's different heads, different hairstyles, different eyes, different noses, different clothing, over 200 separate attributes some being more rare than others. And there's a rarity chart that tells you how rare your, your Tigon is. And there's, that brings hopefully value to it. And then people can trade on the market in the secondary market. They trade, they buy, they sell. How is the Tigon different from the Liger? Well, I did the Tigon kind of in a similar style of drawing. It's meant to look like it's drawn by a crusty seven greater you know (laughs) and i think the big difference is that we're going down a road like we're creating backstory and lore to what a tygon is oh awesome! it's basically channeling my seventh grade self in 1991 or you know 1990 it really is it's just like i've been scouring all my old artwork all the books i wrote when i was a kid drawings all that stuff and kind of culling from that and trying to bring that to life I love that. It's making your 13-year-old self's dreams just realized. Version yeah, of yourself I'm all about happy. treating my young self. That's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Rewarding the past. Oh, man. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we've been doing. That's a, quite a nutshell. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, that's a, that's a big nutshell. Yeah, that's just the uh, two-dimensional illustrated NFT project. Now we're like converting them into basically 3D models and creating 
a video game world that you can enter in the sandbox, which is part of the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> my, I, 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 my mind is blown. So yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. And we'll us. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. You guys You've exploded our brains. John, it was so nice. Like a real pleasure chatting with you tonight. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love, this is always therapeutic and it, it, it helps me out. And it's awesome. I love it. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time. We'll see ya. Well, let's close out the sode. Let's well, close out the sode. It's, it, it is time. It's time for the, the close out, the sode close out. By the way. You had a, a near spill on that ladder in your garage. Are you, did you hurt yourself? Did you pull anything? Not, well, there's a part of my left side is almost always numb. You okay. Know, just from being old. But, uh, but yeah, my ankle, yeah, a little, little, little twisted down. There. I'm going to stay off it for a couple of days. Oddly enough, in those moments, in those dark moments, I, I thought of, I thought of you of all people. Really? Yeah, but I'm good. Thanks for asking, man. I'm good. Good now. Well, dads, thanks for listening to the ep- the episode. Thanks the for, what? Thanks for listening to the episode. There it is. Of Modern Dadhood. <laughs> and uh, again, wherever you're listening, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're listening, please do give us a quick rating and uh, a review. Even just a few words makes a big difference. Also, it, it, we politely challenge you to tell a friend about Modern Dadhood because word of mouth is better than any review. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, t- tell your friend Pedro. You know, if you're ever out there on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, got a YouTube channel. Look up Modern Dadhood on LinkedIn. So you can check us out on LinkedIn if you're into the, the business relationships. Yeah, but do check out YouTube because, man, our thumbnail game is on point these days. It's getting, it's really getting something. It's, it's really, I don't, you're right. I agree. <laughs> on our website, moderndadhood.com, uh, you can find every episode of the show and you can also purchase for yourself or a loved one, a modern dadhood t-shirt or dad hoodie. Uh, every order ships with a modern dadhood sticker. So don't forget that. And you could put that, you could put that on your laptop, you could put that on your radio flyer wagon. You can also drop us a line at hey, that's H-E-Y at moderndadhood.com. Um, you want to do some thanks? Some thankies? Well, I'd like to say thank you to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee for all the uh, incredible music that you hear on moderndadhood.com. Also to Pete Morris at Red Vault Audio. RedVaultAudio.com. RedVaultAudio.com. Sincere thanks to John Heater. I can't say enough how uh, how nice and fulfilling and delightful of a conversation. I hope he's a guy that we can stay in touch with. Mark, oh, your final finally. your final thank you. Finally. Thank you out there for listening. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>